In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Most priests don't like this gospel reading. It's a hard one to preach on sometimes. But I was really interesting when I was reading it. Um, and you know, the, the sadness of the torment of the demons on the Gadarene demoniac, torn garments, living in tombs, uh, but then blessed by God in deliverance, clothed and in his right mind. I think we can kind of relate that to even our own spiritual life, and I think that's the important lesson here. It's not to see this as something happened to the Gadarene demoniac, but that's something that happens to us. So what do I mean by that? I think we can be and are, all of us have uh, a passion or passions that torment us, that, uh, that dominate us, uh, that throw us to and fro. Uh, it could be uh, lustful passion, could be gluttony, could be anger, could be pride, it could be a multitude of things. It could be legions that torment us. And that they kind of entomb us, they capture us and uh, surround us and don't let us leave the tomb. And we come, in a sense, with tattered garments. In fact, we even pray this when we do preparation prayers for communion. Uh, my uh, soul, my dumb, they call it my dumb soul and soiled body. My humblest, humblest, humble, leprous and sinful soul. So why is that? Because we have these torments. We have these demons that kind of capture us uh, and entomb us and uh, make our garment not appropriate. So we come, and we come actually, every, every time we come to communion, we come saying this. I have no wedding garment, Lord, I have no wedding garment. Forgive me, have mercy on me, have mercy on my sinfulness, have mercy on my soul. Uh, and he does. He clothes us with the blessed of blessing of communion and puts us in our mi right mind. So we're, 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 we're blessed by that. But as I was thinking of this very thing, I want to share with you a thought uh, because I think there is a, uh, a subtle demon that captures us and has totally captured our society. It's the demon that kind of came through us through the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> we have three unalienable rights. Can't take them away for life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You have an inalienable right to be. That's not the gospel. You have a responsibility to be faithful. You have an opportunity to take up your cross and follow Christ. You can find your life if you lose it. And when you lose your life, you will find it. When you completely give everything to God, you can be completely blessed. So we live in a society and that says, I have a right to be happy. I have a right to get what I want. 
and it's everywhere. Uh, there's even a gospel that's preached around that. It's called the prosperity gospel. We even demand it of God. I have a right to be rich. I have a right to be happy. I have a right to have a Cadillac. I have a right to have a nice home and wonderful children. God, help me. You see? It's, it's, it's a subtle problem that we have in society that has even crept into the church. I have a right to be happy. We have a responsibility to be faithful to the gospel, to be true to God, to live according to the teachings of the church and the teachings of the scriptures. That's what we have a, a responsibility to do. And that's the Christian life. So what's this happiness problem create? It actually, I think, trickles down to uh, not just I have a right to be happy, I have a right to get what I want. And when we get to that spot in life, I have a right to get what I want, it creates all kinds of havoc with the teachings of the gospel. And we've got to be very careful with this. Because in this right to, to get what I want, uh, we can choose lifestyles that are outside of the gospel. We can choose to abort children because having a child is going to make me unhappy. See? We have a right to, to uh, hold a grudge because this person continues to offend me. See, the right to do what I want. See, what happens in this is that we create this new gospel that's created around the desire or the, the right to be, you know, sometimes those choices that we make about the right to be happy are really crosses that God has given us to bear to find true happiness. To find true happiness. You know, Things that are dealt to us in life aren't always fair and don't always make us initially happy. But if we bear them to the glory of God and as a cross, they can fulfill us completely, richly, deeply. So I think that we've got to be very, very careful with this teaching. I, we don't have a right to be happy. We have a right to be faithful. We have a right to, we have a responsibility to bear our cross. We have a responsibility to lose our life, to find it. This is very powerful teaching in the gospel. It just runs against this declaration of independence, right? And a society that's saying, no, you have a right to be happy. So you choose a lifestyle that makes you happy. It's not the teaching of the gospel. That's not the teaching of the church. And it's not. The, the way to find true fulfillment and blessing. So this is such an important thing for me to, to see this. And you, you look at this, and how does this manifest itself, this right to be happy? Well, it, even that, that, the sound of that has a prideful sound to it. I have a right to be happy. So it it births into our life in a prideful way. And we, we get aggressive with it even. We can be aggressive with it. Because I deserve this happiness. And pride pushes me 
in this direction. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, as I was going through this, I remember a pastor from C.S. Lewis, and he says this, he says, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, he says, happiness has found a position of preposterous privilege in our society. A position of preposterous privilege. We, it has to be there, right? We have to be happy. His comment was, every impulse claims carte blanche, claims, claims unconditional authority. Every impulse now claims unconditional authority in our life. You ever feel that way? <laughs> I have a right to be happy, so boy, I need to get a bowl of ice cream. It's Friday, but so what? See? You know, I have a right to, uh, to take a nap. In fact, I think I'm going to take the whole afternoon off. I'm going to take a couple days off. I have a right to be happy. See? I have a right to enjoy uh, the passions of my body so I can do anything I want anytime I want. See what happens with this? See where it goes? We have to be very careful of this preposterous privilege happiness has gotten in our life and in our society. It's not according to the teachings of Christ. You, you don't read the gospel and hear that from him. You hear that you're going to be persecuted, you're going to suffer, life's going to be difficult. But that's where the blessings are. That's where the struggle is. Adversity proves our faith. So this is such a, a critical piece for us, I think. And then we get angry because we're not getting what we want. I'm angry because I'm not happy. Uh, I envy other people that have things that I want. So you see where this goes, how important it is to understand that we are given by the church and the teaching of the scriptures a life to live, a beautiful life to live that's full of joy, happiness, truth, love, peace. It's all there for us. We just have to be careful of this little voice in our mind that says, you have a right to be happy. You have to evaluate what that's saying, what's that saying, what that point is saying to you. I have a right to be happy, so I'm going to go eat 15 hamburgers today. You have a right to do that? Yes. Is that according to the teaching of the church? No. So we have to evaluate these things to us. So, Father Nicholas, who can be saved? <laughs> this is the difficult, the gospel that it's a challenging life, beloved. It's a challenge, a wonderful life, but it's a challenging life. When, when Christ preached the Sermon on the Mount, many of his followers left him because it was so difficult. He said, love your enemy. says, if you lust after somebody, you're guilty of adultery. If you call somebody a fool, you're guilty of hellfire. All of a sudden, the bar got raised, right? So all these things, the gospel is a challenge to us. But accept it. Be joyful in it, because accepting the challenge lifts us, helps us bear the the teachings of Christ in a very powerful way and fulfills us and lifts us to a very beautiful place. So, 
if we recognize the enemy as kind of pride that's born in this issue of the right to be happy, the remedy is humility. Humility says this, God loves you. God loves you. and Everything in your life he has given to you for your good, for good and for your salvation. That's what humility teaches. I don't have to go out and get it. It's given to me. My life is given to me. I just re- have to respond to it in a virtuous way. Right? Virtuous way. Respond to it virtuously. Every circumstance, every struggle, every trial, every difficulty, I need to respond to it virtuously. So, and that produces for us, beloved, patience and character and virtue. It's a very powerful thing when we do this. You know, I remember this when Kevin was uh, struggling uh, through uh, the end, the toward the end of his life, and how I was talking to Father John about it. And um, you know, here's another circumstance that you w- you don't wish on, right? You say, "Don't, I don't want this," but it's there. We have to take it, have to accept it. We have to find the grace of God in it. We have to find God's presence in it. And thank be to Him, we did find it. It was very rich, and it's always been that way, and uh, it's just been, it's been, in the midst of all the struggle, it's been a great blessing. So, uh, so this struggle here, St. James says, there's always going to be trouble, always going to be a struggle, but that will build patience. And then he says, let patience have its perfect work so you'll be lacking in nothing. So we will have struggles and difficulties. We'll have to accept some things. We'll have to deal with stuff in our life. But that is a good thing for us because it builds in us a virtue. It builds in us patience. It builds in us a perfect work. So uh, for us, beloved, uh, let us live our lives then toward this perfect work of virtue. Let us respond to things in our life virtuously uh, in in that way that we've been taught by the scriptures and taught by the church. Let's recognize the enemy. Let's live our lives blessed by God, full of love, joy, and thanksgiving, looking forward to the kingdom kingdom to come where we will find eternal joy. But remember that we do it according to the way, we, the, the, the road we've been given. May it be blessed. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.